Hello, my name is uh, Jeff Parrish. I'm the senior pastor here at Indian Rocks. And I just want to say thank you to you for tuning in today uh, through our live streaming through the internet for our services. And uh, we are glad that you are watching. And uh, I'm going to tell you about a couple of things that we have here at the church. Uh, we are very much a purpose-driven church. Why do we exist? The reason we exist is to make disciples, as the scriptures teach us. But we have a thing that's called C4, which lists out the different things that we want to, we want to do. Uh, C1 is connecting with God which is part of what uh, the reason that we do this uh, live streaming is to give people the opportunity to find out what the scripture says and what it means to have a relationship with God. It's pretty incredible to think about the relationship, having a relationship with the God who created you. But the second purpose is a place for people to connect with each other. And I can't tell you how important that is uh, because it's more than just being educated in the scriptures. It's finding a place that you, that you fit, that you connect. We have, a, we have a lot of small groups and all kinds of different shapes and sizes that reach out to different ages and different stages of life. Now, I'd really encourage you to check into to plugging into a small group because you'll never feel apart until you find a place to fit in. So anyway, thank you for watching today, and, uh, and I hope to see you soon. Hey, listen, if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew 18, okay? Matthew 18 is where we're going to be today. And, uh, you know, we started a series last week, and uh, very much, very much excited to share with you today. A very powerful, okay? A very powerful look, not because I'm sharing it, but because it's, it comes obviously from the scripture here, and it, and it teaches us and shares with us some powerful concepts. And, uh, and we know them to be true, yet they don't feel exactly right. Let me tell you what I mean. Let's, uh, let's do just a little bit of review of last week. I've started this series just for a few weeks. We've got some exciting news coming up uh, here in a couple of weeks I'm going to be sharing with you. And, uh, and so, but I thought it, just for the first few weeks, I would, I would just, just talk about the series, just a little series, if you will, on forgiveness. Because there's so much to it. And uh, last, week was, uh, last week was a little bit introductory, and we're going to get right into it today. But I want to just kind of bring you back up, get back in your mind, bring you back up to speed with where we were last week. You know, the whole, the whole forgiveness issue is it's multifaceted. Uh, I, could, I could go on for, for three or four months on the subject and never touch the same thing. Think about this. There's, there's understanding and living in God's forgiveness for you. There is forgiving others who've wronged you. There is going to others that you've wronged and seeking their forgiveness. There's forgiving self, because a lot of people struggle with that. Uh, it almost seems wrong. Well, you, know, you shouldn't forgive yourself. Well, I, I've always tried to say that, that we need to forgive the things that God has forgiven, and that would include you, Right? And we talked about that. In fact, I, you know, I heard quite a bit last night. It was really incredible. Um, is that so many times people are usually divided up into areas, you know? Either, either, either you have a hard time forgiving others when they've, when, they've, when they've messed with you, when they've sinned against you, or you have a hard time forgiving yourself, but you don't really have a hard time forgiving others. So a lot of times we'll struggle in one of those two areas. Um, and I'm here to tell you, uh, either one is just as destructive, okay? It's just as destructive on you. And again, we'll talk about that. Again, the, the desire for this series is not to make anybody feel bad. It's not to make anybody feel guilty. That's the last thing. 
but what I want you to do is, is that I believe with all my heart there is no, there is no self-imposed jail cell quite like unforgiveness, right? And we'll talk more about that. We'll talk more about that today. And so I just, I just, I want you to be free. I really do. Uh, Galatians chapter five, it says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I'm here to tell you, there is no more compelling way to live than to live in freedom. But I'm here to tell you, when you carry unforgiveness that turns into either anger, depression, uh, bitterness, um, it, it becomes something that, that, that causes you far more problems than the ones that you have so much of a problem with, right? They've, they've forgotten it, moved on, laughing, joking, and, and there you are still brooding and seething over it. And so, I don't know, it's hard subject because it's multifaceted, but I just want to just to hit a little bit of this first year because I want you to live in the freedom from it. Because I'm here to tell you, freedom really is good. Freedom is really good. And it was that reason that, that Christ came and, and, and did what he did. So, so let's jump right into today. We're going to call this, I'm going to call this the attitude. Uh, the attitude of forgiveness. It, it, becomes a, it becomes an attitude. It becomes an attitude that you, that you, that you live with as, as a believer. You'll see here what Jesus said. 90% of what we're going to be talking about today is just a, a parable that Jesus told very much uh, one of probably one of his most powerful parables, but so many times not totally understood. So I want us to jump. I want us to jump into this. Uh, I want us to jump into this, this parable, take a look at it, see why he said it. But I do want you to understand that um, this, the great thing about the subject that I'm talking to you with, it's not an easy one to talk about. And let me tell you why. Because I know the hurt that's in the room. And just as many people that are in the room are those that are watching by way of live streaming. This is a subject that's tough for everyone. This is a subject that we all face. This is something that it's better if I just don't want to think about this, want to think about that. Okay? Because it's dealing with the sensitive area. Because guys, the ones you have struggle forgiving are usually the ones that have been the closest to you. Because people that aren't close to you don't have an opportunity to hurt you near as bad. Therefore, the closer they are, the greater the opportunity for hurt, the greater the opportunity for real struggles. And uh, usually hurt, getting angry, either way, they're about the same thing, right? It's just two different reactions. And so when we, when we think about this, this subject, this is what Christ came for. In fact, he spent quite a bit of time, in fact, he spends quite a bit of time in the scriptures talking about it. So I want us, I want us, to, I want us to look at it. I want us to look at what Jesus said. And understanding that as a believer, there is an expectation, if you are his, there's an expectation he has of you, which will, you know, it says it today pretty clear. Now, there's some powerful truths. There's some convicting truths. Uh, there's truths that we're going to talk about today. They're very simple, but they're, they're sometimes not easy to hear. But we need to hear them because so much is, so much is riding on them. Okay, so let's jump right into it, okay? We'll kind of give you a little bit of context. Not much is needed. Uh, all that's needed is, is, number one, is what I'm going to call a question asked. 
okay? A question asked. So Peter asked a question. Peter's one of Jesus' disciples. He's, he's going to become the leader of the early church, but he, uh, he just asks a question. And it says there that Peter came up to him, that is Jesus, and, uh, and asked him or said to him, okay, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Okay, I've had that question asked me a dozen times just during in the last week. Okay, well, Jeff, what if they just keep doing the same thing over and over again and you expect us to keep forgiving them? Okay, okay if, if you had that question, or I figured for every person that asked, there's 10 more that didn't come up and ask. All right, and so this is a great way to start because Peter asked a question because that's Peter's mentality, okay? And, um, and so he asked, you know, how many times? Up to, you know, up to, up to seven times. And, um, and you know, Peter thought he was doing really, Peter thought he was going the extra mile by saying seven, right? Does that make sense? He really did because the, the common teaching of the rabbis, you know, in the Talmud, which was kind of their, their what they did, is that they, they said that you had to forgive up to five times. So, so, you know, he went up to a good round seven number, you know, and, uh, and up to seven times, almost kind of like, you know, Jesus, I'm really going the extra mile here. And then Jesus said to him, listen, you know, the answer. Uh, in fact, let me just tell you about the question. First of all, we'll get to the answer in, in number two, but, but well, let's, let's think about the question. Here's what Peter, here is the underlying thought to this, is there's got to be a limit, doesn't there? I mean, is that not the underlying thought of what Peter's asking? There's got to be a limit, because you can't just be a doormat, right? Can't just, you can't just allow the same people be hurting you over and over again. And guys, there's some practical things there that we can't really talk about today. I know the questions you'll have, we'll talk about those in a couple weeks to come. Because for every little thing I do in here on this subject, it breathes three or four more questions, and we'll try to get to them later. Because there is a time that if somebody is doing such damage, yes, you've got to remove yourself. We'll talk about that weeks to come. So I know a lot of times we always go to the extremes, and we fail to see what the principle's saying. Man, politicians do that, okay? Don't do that. Politicians always give you the extreme, you know, one half of 1% of what could happen. But go back to this piece. What is he trying to say here? Well, Peter's saying, hey, listen, there's got to be a, there's got to be an end. But you have to understand Jesus' perspective. I want you to think about this. Why is Jesus here? Why did he come? Don't, don't answer out loud. Just think about it. Why did he come into the world? What was the point? What was the purpose? It's forgiveness. And so here comes the greatest question. And from Jesus' perspective, knowing what he'd come to do, um, do you want him to put limits on you? Right? Do you want him to... I mean, do you, do you sometimes... You don't have to answer this out loud. I, I doubt you would anyway. But do you have sin in your life that sometimes you keep committing the same thing over and over and over again? Isn't it nice to have the promise of no limit to forgiveness? That's Jesus' perspective. And he actually very well here, he's the master teacher. Jesus is the master storyteller. And he's actually going to tell you a really pretty cool parable on that subject when you think about who he is and what he's about to do for us. So an answer is given. Jesus looks back at them and says, I tell you, not seven times, but 
77. Some of your scriptures, it's, it's kind of a tough translation. It says 70 times seven. But whether it's 77 or 490, okay, what it means is, is not this. Okay. All right, that's 76. One more time, brother, and you're going to get it. You know, that's not what Jesus is saying, right? What he's saying here is it's to be endless. It's, it's, it's to be endless. But, but guys, when you practically start putting that into your life, that's a hard concept on a practical level. So I understand Peter's question because this is something that God has worked on my life through the years. I didn't become a believer until I was 21. And this is one of those issues. This is one of those issues that, that I struggled with. And hopefully there's been some breakthroughs and for becoming a believer for over 30 years now. But, but it was a, I remember the early days because I was, I was, I was high strung and intense. And, and that's, why, that's the reason I could play football. I could play mad. Have you ever watched the game? I could, I could play mad. I could, I could play hating that other person, never though I've never met them. And, I, and so there became this issue. And you know, God began to work on my life, and this was, this was one of them. I think God works in our lives in all kinds of different ways. Uh, that's why I like to include the other, because I know that for everyone like me, um, there's the issue of, of, of having a hard time forgiving yourself for some of the things you've done. And so these issues cripple us. They absolutely cripple us. And they take up so much energy and, and who we are. So Jesus addresses it, okay? He addresses it. And he tells this story. It's, it's a really easy story, but I am warning you, it's a powerful story. So he said, not, not seven, but he gives them, an, you know, basically a, a big number. And then he goes on, he says, okay, let me tell you what I mean. And the greatest way to help people understand a concept is to tell them a story. And so Jesus told a parable. And, this, and parables are fictitious stories that have a meaning behind them. And so let's take a look at what Jesus says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. Okay, you have a uh, kingdom of heaven was the verbiage Jesus used about God's coming kingdom and other things. And, um, and he says it, it, it can be compared to, uh, therefore, here's, here's help, here's help, here's help. And he says to a king. Now, king here, and, and you'll see it in this, in this particular story, the king here represents God. Okay, king here represents God. And, and, and who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Since God being who he is, then remember, he's the one who's the ultimate judge. So you have this picture of, okay, hey, listen, I'm going to bring in, and it has to do financial here. I'm going to bring in everybody that owes me, and it's time to settle up. You know, it's kind of like the, when you go to a restaurant, it's time to, at the end of the meal, it's time to settle up. That is, you owe, okay, you owe for the food, and so settle up. And so he's, he's going to settle his accounts in this fictitious story, the king is, with those who are his. And so, and as he began to settle these accounts, okay, one, one of his servants was brought into him who owed him 10,000 talents, 
Okay, let's put all this together just so you can kind of see the comparison. Because Jesus said it was compared to. So the king represents God. This servant here that, 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 uh, that owes 10,000 talents is, is representative of us. Okay? Now, what is 10,000 talents? Well, Jesus pulled a figure out of the air. Um, and our common, this, this debt that was owed is equivalent about, I don't know, 60 to $80 million in our, in, our, in our currency. But it was a lot more than that. Because at the time, there just wasn't that many people like there is today, and there just wasn't that much money. Therefore, 10,000 talents represented an overwhelming, it's, it's, basically, it's basically several years of taxes of the entire province. It was, a, it was a ginormous sum. But what it represented was a debt that could not be paid, right? And so you have this picture of us. You have this picture of owing a debt that you, couldn't, that you could never pay on your own. And so, and so understanding when a debt is owed, a debt, always remember this. A debt is always paid, okay? Well, Jeff, what about those people who have debts but never pay them? Well, the person that loaned them the money is paying for it. Does that make sense? Whenever there's a debt, someone always pays. And that is the tough concept of forgiveness. That is the reason that you and I struggle with it. Because we live in a country where we're trying to make everything fair, right? But if, if, if you're looking for fair, forgiveness will never be a part of your life. Because forgiveness is not fair. What do you mean, Jeff? Well, let me tell you what I mean. The, the, the unfair part of forgiveness is that the person who was wronged picks up the tab. That's not fair at all, is it? In fact, that's the opposite of fair. And yet, guys, that's what, that's what forgiveness is. It is a powerful concept, guys, but it is not an easy one. It is not an easy one. So $10,000 represents a debt that, obviously, that, uh, that nobody could repay. And I want you to know that represents all of us when we understand it understand what Jesus is talking about here. And since, let's go on with the story, and since he could not pay, if you want to underline that phrase, he could not pay. It was a debt that he could not pay. I want you to know that his master, that is the king, ordered that he be sold, which at the time was his right, which at the time was, was considered just. Interesting, huh? He ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children, that's pretty cold, isn't it? But it was the law of the time, and Jesus is using it to prove a point. This guy had gotten in way over his head, and he had literally no way to help himself. And so, you know, he could be thrown into prison. You'll see that in just a minute. You know, they called it debtor's prison at the time. If you owed somebody money and you couldn't pay them after a set amount of time, they had the right to throw you into prison and you didn't get out until you paid the debt. 
I'm telling you, half of our country would be in jail today, right? Probably more than half if you, if you, had, if you, had, this, if you had this concept today. But, but take a look at this. But this guy, this guy had, the, he, had he, he, was, he was done. So what did he do? This is classic, okay? Uh, the servant fell on his knees and he implored him, says, have patience with me. And he says there, I'll pay you everything. Well, that was, how long is it going to take him to pay back 10,000 talents? I mean, it's not going to happen. So he's just asking for more time and there's no way. I mean, it's a debt that's unpayable. Okay. And I want you to think about that for a second though. He asks for mercy and grace is implied. You'll see the word mercy used. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. All right? Mercy. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. All right? They're different, but they are related, right? Why don't you think about it a second? That's, that is what they mean, okay? You know, sometimes mercy and grace, we, we kind of put them as religious church words and we lose the meaning of them, but that's what it means. And, and forgiveness is letting somebody loose of the debt that they owe you. So when you put the words forgiveness, grace, and mercy together, it's a pretty powerful concept if you truly understand it, okay? So what happened? What did this king do? Well, this king, it says here, out of pity, out of mercy, basically, for him, the master of that servant released him, listen to this, and forgave him the debt. Ah, if you like writing in your Bible, forgave him the debt. Now, that is one of, that is what Jesus is talking about. Even though nobody at the time knew who Jesus was or why he'd come, but he's letting it be known through this parable that later people would understand but what does it mean to forgive the debt? Well, let me ask you a question. Let's say that you owe 60 to $80 million. Let's say that you could be going to prison for the rest of your life for that. And then the person that you owe the money to comes to you and says, hey, listen, you know, I see that your family, I, you know, I know you're, you've got this huge debt. You can't pay it, but I can pay it. He says, so I, I forgive you of it. Because remember this, that was oh happy day for the guy who, who had the debt forgiven. Is, I mean, tell you what, if you owe $80 million and you get a call and somebody tells you, hey, listen, I'm going to forgive that debt, that's good news. If you've ever wanted to understand what the word gospel means, I'm convinced most people don't understand it. If they understood it, they'd get a lot more excited about it. Because if you truly understand what Christ came to do, if you truly get this, that is good news. I mean, if you can imagine being on the phone and so my calling said, hey, listen, you know, head of who, you know, the person that you owe all this to. And I said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to forgive that one. And it's like, <sighs> hang up the phone. Yeah, you know, it's, it's done. It's over. Can you imagine? I, have, I don't have that hanging over me anymore. I, it's done. So Jesus is really... He is really, really using a powerful statement here in the comparisons. And remember this, to be able to pay, I ask you this question again. Somebody always pays. 
And in this particular case, who paid the debt? The king, which is representative of who God is. And how did God do that? He took pity on you. He loved you so much that he sent his only son to pay the debt. That's what the word it is finished means from the cross, paid in full, right? Talked to you about that several times. So when Jesus screamed out, it is finished, it was a Greek word that just meant paid in full. In fact, it, it was used, the word tetelestai was used to when debtors, people who were debtors prison, when their debt were paid, it, it says paid in full before they left their jail cell. I find that incredible for those of you who have ears to hear and really want to know and understand. So remember always someone pays. You may get off free. Somebody always pays. That's what's so humbling about forgiveness. That's why people will deny to the grave that they've ever wronged anybody because they don't want to have to deal with it themselves that, they, that someone has to pay for their mess. But it happens in every relationship. Why? Because none of us are perfect. I tell you what, the best relationships, I would dare say the best marital relationships that I have ever run into, the husband and wife have an ability to forgive each other. If you don't, it's, it's trouble. Guys, this hits in all areas, your own children. All right, if you have children, your children ever done anything wrong? Have they ever done you wrong? They ever been ungrateful? Do you not think that your children are going to need a whole lot of your forgiveness through the years? You bet. I'm here to tell you in any relationship, forgiveness is going to have to be there or it's not going to make it. Why? Because it's, it's this concept. Jesus is talking about it. It's a powerful concept. Okay, let's move on. Right? So, oh, happy day. Great things have happened. You know, debt's paid, whatever. So what happens is, is that this, when this same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, okay? This, therefore, the guy who'd been, who'd been forgiven of a debt for 10,000 talents, it almost makes, Jesus makes it sound like almost the same day, all right? When that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him. I, that's comical to me. You know, give me what you owe me, give me what you owe me, give me what you owe me. Now, what's 100 denarii, okay? I always like for you to understand this. A lot of people have tried to say it was just almost nothing. That's just not the case, okay? A denarii was a unit of money. And at the time, a common laborer, okay? Not a skilled laborer, but a common laborer of the time, if he did a full day's work, he would receive one denarius for a full day's work for a common laborer. So it's a hundred days work. Okay, so that's nothing to sneeze at, right? That's nothing just to say, well, that's not that big a deal. No, 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 no. That's a big deal and that's pretty painful. Okay? And basically choke him, whatever, and his fellow servant fell down before him and pleaded with him. Now notice that Jesus has this fellow servant saying, saying the same thing the other guys did to the king. He said, have patience with me, I will pay you. He refused and he went out and he had the man uh, thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. That was debtor's prison. I've already told you about that. It was the law of the time. 
Guys, I know this is, these, what I'm about to say is, is going to be tough to hear, but it is the truth. But is it not the ultimate in hypocrisy for this guy not to have grace and mercy on a fellow servant after they themselves have been forgiven of so much? Does that make sense? You understand now what Jesus is meaning by this parable. And it's a tough one to hear, okay? So what happened was, and this is classic, I, I'll give you a little bit of Jeff's thoughts here, all right? You know what I mean by Jeff's thoughts? I'm not sure they're totally scriptural, but they're just thoughts around it. Does that make sense? All right, here we go. When his fellow servants saw what, he, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and told it to the king. I think that's people in prayer, right? <laughs> hey, God, how can you let that happen? <laughs> this comes by picture, right? I don't know if that's exactly it, but it's kind of that picture, all right? And so let's go on. And so the master uh, summoned him in and basically said, you wicked servant. He says, I forgave you of all that huge debt because you pleaded with me. And shouldn't you have had mercy on a fellow servant as I had on you? I mean, when you think of, let's, let's think of about three months wages, which is about what of 100 denarii at the time because they worked six days a week back then. Let's think about three months wages versus 10,000 talents. You see, you see what Jesus, and so anyway, the master was angry and delivered him to the jailers, which is a great picture of someone who won't forgive others is that you go into your own jail cell. It's just the way it works. There's something about how that God, if you're a believer here today, he's not gonna let you live with yourself by living in unforgiveness for others when he has forgiven you of so much. It's a tough one. It is convicting, right? But the only reason I'm telling you about it is, is I want you to be free because there's nothing that locks you away than, as, as much as unforgiveness as there's nothing is that sets you free as much as forgiveness does. I just want you to sense, I have never met anyone who has unforgiveness in their life live in peace, personal peace in here. You just are never gonna find it. Why? Because there's a constant grind in here. It's just an incredible thing. It is an incredible thing to think about when you put all this together. So, so when you think about it, if you're a believer here today, okay, if you're a believer here today, I want you to understand that concept of how God and what God looks at it. If you're not real sure, if you're a believer, I have to, I have to tell you this. You have to first to have experienced his forgiveness for you before you're gonna find the strength to really truly forgive others on a consistent basis. I'm not saying you can't, but I'm here to tell you that's the, that's the, that's the strength. That's where it comes from. When you, when you get the realization, if you've ever truly has dawned on you the debt you owe, and if you've ever truly understood that God loved you so much and that that debt's been forgiven, obviously if you're his, if you're his servant, if you put your faith and trust in him, if you've gone to him like this servant did, have pity on me, obviously, mercy, grace. It, 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 it all fits. It's an incredible parable. It's a powerful parable. And yet what happens is when we lose perspective of how much God's forgiven us, we can easily get this way with those around us, right? But it's something 
that will enslave you quicker than you realize. It is an amazing thing. So, so then number three, let's just get some application. I, I've already jumped ahead and talked to you about some of those things, but let me, let me just throw these out to you just so you can get them down if you'd like to write them down. But this is application of your life. Number one is you have to be able to understand the debt that he's forgiven you. How long would you have to, have to live in order to pay off the debt that you owe? You know, that's the whole picture. And uh, when you think about it, it is an enormous thing. Okay? Number two, and this is, this is the convicting statement. We've already said it, but let's say it again. What debt can truly someone owe you that compares to the debt that God forgave you of? It's not fun, is it? But it is powerful and it is important. You'll see why in just a minute. I can't tell you how important that is. Okay? Here's another one. Unforgiveness is not an option for the believer. And it makes sense. Why? Think of Jesus and his perspective and why he'd come into this world and what he'd come to do. And he's saying, what? You can't forgive someone of a hundred denarii if I've what is that about? Makes sense, doesn't it? Next is that by not forgiving, you jail yourself. It's an incredible thing. It's a jail that you can get out of and the only key is forgiveness. And usually it comes in two shapes and sizes, but it all depends on you understanding, accepting, and living in the freedom of his forgiveness for you. And then your ability then to forgive others, or if you will, forgive yourself. I tell you what, there are just as many people that live with such guilt every day and in the quietness of their own hearts, the condemning voices just beat them up daily. And then we try to keep ourselves so busy so we don't have to think. Guys, this, just, just so you know, you're not the only one that struggles. We all do. That's why I like talking about this subject because I know it's everybody in the room, varying degrees, but all of us, all of us have this issue, right? And I understand the hurt in here. I understand how, and how some of you grew up. I understand maybe what some parents have done to you. I understand perhaps what your children have done. I understand, I understand not exactly what happened, but I understand the, the struggle that goes with it. But it, it's incredible what it, what it will do to a person. Interesting. I'm just about to be done, but let me, let me throw a couple of things at you of what, what does forgiveness look like? It's not what you think it is, okay? But components of forgiveness of this, number one, is you have to acknowledge you've been wronged. You know, sometimes in our pride, we don't want to admit that someone could actually hurt us, right? Or mess with us, so... You know, and, and hey, that doesn't bother me. I worry about it. No, 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 no. Understand this. You have to acknowledge that you've been wronged or acknowledge that you've wronged someone else. That makes sense. All right, number two, all right, you have to keep perspective of God's forgiveness for you. That's why if you drift away from the Lord, then unforgiveness will be one of those things that will creep back in quickly. It's incredible. I know in my own life personally is about the time, you know, when the tent, you know, the tension hits back with me, I can tell I'm lost perspective and put it on things around me. It's incredible. If you keep the horizontal perspective, you'll always struggle. But if you keep the vertical one, you'll find the strength you need. Okay? So then canceling the debt 
and letting them go. When you forgive someone, you're looking at them and telling them, you don't owe me anything. I'm paying for that one. It's not an easy concept, but it is freeing. Because once you let them go, they don't owe you. And you can't bring it up again. Does that make sense? I'm not talking about money here. Believe it or not, this may sound strange to you, but money is the easiest thing to forgive. Yeah, yeah. Other things go a lot deeper than that. But forgiveness is best understood when you look at it in finances. Okay? But when you cut someone loose, you don't bring it up again. If you forgive a spouse for something wrong they did, they've done, and you keep bringing it up, you haven't forgiven them. We're going to talk about that in weeks to come. I want you to see the practical looks. Also, I want you to see is that you can forgive them now and pick it back up on your way out the door. Okay, Lord, okay, I forgive them. And then and it's back. It, therefore, sometimes it depends on what someone's done. We'll talk about this in weeks to come. But it depends on what somebody's done. If it's really, really tough, then I'm here to tell you, you may have to forgive them hourly for a while. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And then you may have to go to daily, okay? You wake up every day, Lord, okay, I'm forgiven. And then finally, monthly, and then it's like, you know, I think, I've, I, think I finally cut them loose of that, right? And you'll, you'll sense the freedom yourself, but listen to me. It will not feel right. Listen to me, listen to me, because it's not right, right? It's never right for someone else to pay for your for your mess up or for someone or for you to pay for someone else's mess up. But is it not what Christ did for you? That's why if you're looking for fair, this will not be a part of your life. But if you're looking for freedom, it will be. Incredible when you begin to put that. I just love sharing with this simplistic things that you're like, wow, that is right. But boy, that's not easy to do. That's what most God's truth is. It's easy to understand, but not easy to do. <laughs> right? You can understand the definition of forgiveness in 30 seconds, but then spend your whole life trying to understand it. And then the last one, I just threw this one in there, components of forgiveness. Pray for them. Oh, that's not an easy one. But let me tell you why. Because you have a hard time harboring bitterness towards someone you pray for. I don't know what it is about it. I don't know what it is about it. And before long, Forgiveness will become an attitude. And it does get easier, but it's staying close with him because it's not a natural act. But it is a way to freedom. I'm gonna close today with a, with a story. You know, as I said, this is a, this is a personal message for me. Um, I'm just really sharing with you things I've learned. And I found those are sometimes the best talks or messages, whatever you wanna call it, are the ones that God has kind of dealt with me over time and worked through my own sinfulness, right? And... Um, but I, there was a defining moment for me. Uh, I shared this lots of years ago, but I wanted to share it again because, because it, was, it was such a defining moment for me. But I, was, I became a believer, I was 21, and, and I went to school, uh, I went to, went to seminary, and I, and, I, and I worked, started working with, with students. I was a student minister. I was, back then they called them youth pastors, all right? Whatever, student pastors, student ministers, whatever you want to call them. And um, and I remember that first church I went to was in Georgia, Savannah, Georgia. And uh, I was at this church. I was their, their, their youth pastor, right? And uh, there was a school 
attached to the church. It was about the size of the school that we had here, have here. And, um, and I hadn't been there but a few months. I, was, I, I, didn't even, I wasn't even married yet. And I wasn't there for a few months. And, um, and they found out that I had a degree in, you know, uh, in, in the Bible, but biblical studies seminary. And so immediately, you know, uh, they said, you know, Jeff, would you like to teach Bible? And you know, when you're, when you're gung ho and young, you tend to say yes to most everything. Right. And I said, yeah, I'd love to, you know? And so, um, I'm teaching three classes of Bible to eighth graders. And, uh, let me tell you what, brother, if you can teach eighth graders, you can teach anybody in the world. Um, uh, except for preschoolers. Um, I just cannot do preschoolers. They are tough customers, you know? It's like here at school, I was sharing with a group of four-year-olds one time, and, and I was talking to them. I don't even remember what it was about. It was about Jesus, I'm sure. And I was trying to be expected, you know? And, um, and I'm, I'm sharing this thing, and then, and then I'm about done, and the little boy raises his hand. And, uh, and I thought, oh, he's gonna ask me a question about what I've been talking about. And I said, yes. And he looks at me and says, wow, you're big. <laughs> Let me tell you what, there are people who are gifted with four-year-olds, and I am not one of them, all right? But I love middle schoolers, really do. It's one of the most difficult times in your life and the most important. Anyway, so I had these eighth graders, right? And I'm teaching them. Uh, and eighth grade curriculum at this particular school were the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John right? And, um, and so later on in the year, I get to Matthew 18. This one I've just taught, I've just shared with you, right? And I shared the, pretty much the same thing, just in, just in a way for eighth graders. And, um, and so after it was done, I said, you know, I made the statement, hey, listen, there shouldn't be anybody in your life you shouldn't forgive because of what Christ has done for you. Well, anyway, I, I finished my three classes and it was noon. I got something to eat and you know, I'm ready to be youth pastor now for the rest of the day. That was kind of how my day went. And so, um, and so anyway, this little girl from one of, my, one of my classes scheduled an appointment with me, and she came in to see me. And uh, she was 14, right? And uh, she'd been coming to our youth ministry and had become a believer uh, earlier in the fall. And she came in, and she was always just this real quiet kid, painfully shy. She had red hair and big blue eyes. And I don't know that she ever said a word in class. Um, and so anyway, she, she, which I thought was weird that she'd come see me. Well, she sits in my office and, and I'm looking across at her and she said, you know, Jeff, today you said that, that we're supposed to forgive everybody. And I said, yeah, and she said, well, I've, I've got a problem with that. You know, sometimes you're just not prepared for things. And I thought, you know, somebody had said something mean to her or whatever, because I got a lot of that doing what, you know, that I did. But then she drops this bomb that I was not prepared for. But when she was seven, I think it was seven, um, her mom and dad were having lots of problems. And she's an only child, and, and dad used to drink a lot, and, and they got in a big fight and, and her dad left and went off, I guess, to a bar somewhere. I don't know. But then, then he came back intoxicated. The fight continued and he, and he, in a rage, drunken rage, he killed, he killed her mom. Her dad killed her mom. Obviously, she's at home. And she 
looks back at me totally devoid of emotion and says, how can I forgive him for that? Okay. They didn't teach me any how to answer questions like that in seminary, right? But I, I prayed quickly because I know, because I, I try never to be visually, visibly shaken, right? Because you don't want somebody to feel bad. But I know I had to be visibly shaken. And, um, and I remember saying these words, Lord, I don't have anything to give this girl. Please give me something to give her. And this is what came out of my mouth. I said, Hannah, I said, you, you've got an opportunity now to be more like Jesus than perhaps I will ever get the opportunity to be is that you have the opportunity of forgiving someone that does not deserve it, that really doesn't deserve it. I mean, you're talking about depriving, being deprived of having a lifetime with your own mother and everything that went with that. I mean, guys, that's huge debt. But, you know, she was, she said, thank you. And till, just emotionless. Um, and she walked out of my office, and I didn't feel good about it. <laughs> I felt like I wanted to reach down in her heart and help, but I knew I couldn't. But anyway, so two weeks later, she shows back up at my office. And um, she looks at me, and she said, Jeff, I, I thought a lot about what you said. And, and again, I already told you she'd just become a believer, and so she was understanding what that meant. And, and she said, I just want you to know that I've, I've done that. Um, I've, 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 forgiven, I've forgiven my dad. And I said, well, that's wonderful. But then she did something that was unexpected. She pulls out the letter that she'd written to her dad so she could let him know. And it was one of the most powerful things I've ever been a part of. Uh, a 14-year-old was going to teach me something I desperately needed to learn. You might know what I'm talking about. Because I was still, I mean, I was 26, right? I'd been a believer for a few years, but those, God's still working in my heart. I believe he used this little redheaded girl to teach me. But anyway, she hands me this letter. And I began to read it. And it's a letter to him. And, you know, she says, hi, dad. My name is so-and-so. And, you know, I became a Christian, you know, whatever she said, five or six months ago. I still have this. I still have this letter in my office. Probably take me a week to find it, but it's there. I know it's there somewhere. Uh, but, you know, I've become a Christian now and I've understood God's love and forgiveness for me and, and my need to, to tell you that, that I, I forgive you. So, Dad, I want you to whatever it went on and on. And, and just emotion welled up in me. And I'm trying hard to fight it because she didn't have any. Right? She didn't have any emotion. And so she said, could you mail this to my dad because he can't know, have any contact with me and he can't know where I am. So I checked around to make sure I was, you know, on right territory and I, I could. And so found out he was serving a life sentence at a prison there in Georgia. And so checked it with her grandparents, right? And she had godly grandparents that those were the ones that were raising her. And so and so I found the letter and sent it to him. Of course, she never heard back from him or I never heard back, but that didn't matter. 
Because let me tell you what happened there. Um, I saw a 14-year-old walk out of her own self in jail cell. I'm here to tell you an event like that could define you for the rest of your life and, and turn you into something you don't want to be. Were you wronged? Absolutely you were wrong. Was it terrible? Absolutely. But I'm not going to let that define who I am by harboring unforgiveness and bitterness and anger that's gonna affect everything else around me. That little girl taught me a great deal that way, that day. And I remember saying to myself, oh God, forgive me for holding grudges against people for such petty things compared to this little girl here. And I was humbled that day by a 14-year-old. And I've been to seminary. And yet, it was a defining moment for me. God, I'm not, I'm not going to let those things happen. So as I close today, I just, I, I just want you to see this concept. Not because, not because I'm asking you to do something. I am asking you to do something that's not fair. Right? It's, that's what makes the concept hard. But if you want freedom from it, I'm here to tell you forgiveness is the freedom. More anger, more unforgiveness just, just ties you up, right? Throws you into your own jail cell and you stay there. And the way to get out is forgiveness. Why? Because God let us out. He paid our debts and he expects us to, pay other, to, to, to forgive others. It's a powerful thing. So is that close today? All right, it's a close today. Two things. Number one, if you're not a believer here today, I'm here to tell you there is no greater freedom to live in than to know he's forgiven you of that huge debt. There's never been that time in your life, obviously. We talk about this often. What is good news? That is good news. And so uh, there'll be some pastors here afterwards, or there's some booklets out. If you're a guest here today and you'd like to take something with you and you don't want to talk to anybody, uh, there's a message. Uh, they've got a new color to them. You'll see them out there. Uh, and it's got a CD of a message that explains more about who Christ is and what he came to do. You can grab one, no cost to you. You can grab one on your way out. But number two, if you're a believer here today, my hope and prayer is this, this will spur you on to obviously be more like Jesus than, than a lot of people around you is to forgive those people in your lives. We're going to talk a little more practically over the next week what that looks like. But forgiving them because you yourself have been. And then you'll walk out, right? A free person. All right, good deal. Let's all stand. We'll have a closing word of prayer. Uh, come on up, Anthony. Hey, good to see you guys today. I'm really looking forward to finishing this series. We're going to take about two more weeks. Got a lot more things I want to share with you uh, because there's some practical things. I know there's lots of questions. We'll try to answer some of those in the next week. So, right, God bless. Headed to the guest reception. If you're a guest with us today, I'd love to shake your hand and, uh, and to... Uh, and to get a chance to meet you today. It's right up the little door. You'll see me to the right. All right. All right. God bless you. Have a great day. Anthony, why don't you close this?